Welcome to the Coptic Cafe live podcast, brought to you by Anafora Radio. Welcome to the relaunch of the Coptic Cafe live program. For those of you who followed our program when we launched 10 years ago, uh, I would like to welcome our new audiences as well. In this program, we discuss uh, current issues which are relevant to you, and we add the orthodox flavor to the issue. So it's kind of like you're sitting at a cafe discussing everyday things, and then we add the orthodox element to it. Uh, When circumstances permit, um, we welcome your phone calls live while we're on the air. Uh, Another feature of the program is having guests relevant to the show um, topic. Uh, We invite you to send in your ideas for show topics, comments, questions, and even if you're willing to be a guest on the program, uh, please send uh, all your questions and comments to CopticCafe at AnaforaRadio.com. CopticCafe at AnaforaRadio.com. And maybe we can have that link sent out to you uh, for the blessed uh, audiences with us now. Um, our country, the United States of America, is going through a tough time right now because of the fast spread of the coronavirus. What makes this um, situation unique is how incredibly infectious this um, virus is, as well as um, we have never seen anything like it before. There's um, no cure for it yet, and there's um, the healthcare system is rebooting and updating at the same time while looking for a cure. But for us, the Christians, we have, always have full faith and hope in God. Um, uh, who is able to save the world from this pandemic plague. So God always accepts his children in whatever condition uh, when they return. Um, Last Sunday was a prodigal Sunday, and the father saw his son leaving with the jewelry and nice clothing, good health. And then he receives him back when he's completely muddied and with um, torn up clothes and, and just completely beaten. So God does accept us at any time and in any condition. Um, We just um, have to follow the commandment of God. Uh, I'm very hopeful and know that this will pass because God uh, is in control. And he has given us the tools to face difficult times. Uh, This is a time for us to return to God. The Lent season is traditionally good to increase our spiritual reserve anyways. So this is a time to increase our prayers, our Bible reading, uh, go into a deeper uh, relationship with the Lord. Um, Another feature of the program is to have live guests, and we are blessed tonight to have Father Anthony Paul. Uh, Abuna, welcome to the program. Thanks, Abuna. Uh, Of course, I don't need to introduce uh, Father uh, Anthony to you. Um, He had served here with us in the diocese. Uh, of Los Angeles, Southern California, and Hawaii, under the auspices of His uh, Eminence, Metropolitan Serapion. Uh, we're blessed tonight uh, to have Abuna. Um, uh, Father Anthony Paul, for those of you who don't uh, know him, uh, he is the fourth celibate priest ordained for the St. Paul Brotherhood in the Diocese of LA. Uh, he was ordained on uh, November 10th, 2013, by the hand of His Eminence, Metropolitan Serapion, and His Grace Bishop Yusuf at St. Maurice Church in Pomona, along with Father Arseni Paul as well, another St. Paul Brotherhood uh, priest. He is finishing up his uh, master's in the theological studies 
and you can find him at St. Mark and St. Mary of Egypt Church in Ottawa, Canada. Welcome, Avuna Anthony. <laughs> Thanks, Avuna. Would you like to say uh, in your remarks before we start uh, this Q&A session? No, this is new to me too, so I'm <laughs> going to take care of it. Okay. Well, uh, we had the, the opportunity to send some of you uh, uh, a link to let you know about the, the program, and we're going to have it in a Q&A uh, type of thing tonight. So some of the questions that already came in, and we encourage you to write your questions in the chat uh, section of uh, the Zoom uh, program or raise your hands or uh, ask your questions in the QA uh, session. So we ask you to please refrain from updating the Google Doc for now. Uh, the first question, Abuna, we have is, um, do we really believe coronavirus can be spread through the spoon in communion? I thought we don't believe the wine and bread physically change, but mis mysteriously actually do. I don't have an issue with, the, with it being able to spread. I don't think that changes the fact that it still is a true holy body and blood of Christ. Can you clear things up a bit? <laughs> Do you want to take that one? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a moderator tonight. <laughs> um, <clears throat> this one's a tough one. It actually brings to the surface... Um, a controversy that was actually really big in the 16th century um, in the 17th century when the Protestants and the Catholics split from each other actually because one of the big points of the fight was do you believe in transubstantiation or do you believe in consubstantiation and transubstantiation was this belief that the the bread and the wine become the body and the blood in such a real way that if you were to look under the microscope you'd find blood cells we don't believe that. Um, and so theoretically, because it is still a physical object, we're not pretending it's no longer having the properties of, of bread or wine. Um, could there be transmission? Theoretically, theoretically, yes. And I'm saying theoretically, yes, because I don't think there's an, I don't think there's a definitive answer to this question because the nature of how it becomes the body and the blood is is a mystery, and that's not a, that's not a cop out. Um, in the same way that how does water become water of baptism? It's it, it's a that's what a mystery means. That's what sacrament means. Um, and so I do think there's a matter of faith there, um, and that's why I'm, I I don't think it would be right for the church to issue a statement on that. Um, more than it is a matter of conscience to you, to the believer who goes. Um, to receive. So Abuna in the liturgy actually dips the, the centerpiece of the Urban called the, the Despoticon um, and he puts blood all over the, the body. So I don't recommend this but what I am saying is that somebody who's received the body has received the body and the blood. Um, and so if, if your own personal faith is making you afraid of it then it's fine if you were to only take the body, even though that's not the right way. Um, in the sense of a, if it's a real obstacle to you, it would be worth talking to your, your, your father confession about to ask. But I think that there's something wrong if we think when we're going for communion, we're gonna get sick from God. Um, and I'm, I'm not trying to ridicule somebody who, who, who's maybe not, not there yet, 
but that's kind of where of where it's going so i don't have a problem with the physical idea that it's possible i just don't think that it's likely um but i can't give a precise answer to that thank you buna um if i may chime in um please uh, like yotsek said it's important to have the faith uh when you're approaching the mysteries and uh, this is a true body of christ and the true blood and we cannot um under any circumstances believe that the source of the eternal life really because Christ says, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you will not be able to live forever. Or we can't live in the kingdom of heaven without the, the mystery on earth of the, of the body and blood. And um, uh, like you mentioned, Abuna, many times we go to the hospitals and we give um, the sick, the body and the blood mixed together because that's the only way we can um, uh, commune them. Uh, but in the church, we certainly do take the body and the blood. And um, uh, like Otsak said, when if, if you question that, you really need to sit with your father of confession and have a serious talk about it. <laughs> uh, the second question we have uh, is, um, uh, with everyone trying to predict things from the Bible due to recent events, how am I supposed to react? For example, a lot of people are saying God is mad at us but how do we fix that? What if God isn't mad at us? A lot of people are saying, this is a second coming, but I feel like that's dramatic and the second coming is going to happen soon, regardless of, the, of this disease. I, or sorry, but I feel, and the second coming is, come, is going to happen soon, regardless of this disease. It's a question mark after that. I don't understand how I'm supposed to react to the virus and if everything that people relate this to in Bible are correct or not. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not personally a big fan of speaking in the name of God. Um, and, and, and by that, I don't mean preaching in the name of God because we have a duty to that. But what I mean is trying to give God's stamp on things. It's a dangerous thing to make a bold proclamation of saying, this is God doing it and this is why he's doing it because you could be very wrong. Um, so when God has something to say, he says it. Um, and if we don't get it, he repeats it. <laughs> he's, not, um, he's not incapable of, of speaking for himself. So I'm not, I'm not big right now at all on saying, oh, this is because God is upset with us or this is in response to some legislation that got passed or this is because we have absolutely no idea. That's on the one hand is that speaking in the name of God isn't fair. B is that what if it's not even God? And by that, what I mean is um, God gave us free will on, on purpose and, and it's real. It's not fake. And so human behavior has consequences, not just on individuals, on themselves, but on everyone else. Um, and so if we pollute, for example, I know we use example a lot, but if we pollute like crazy and, and we put a hole in the ozone and cancer becomes a normal thing because of it, we can't say that God was angry at these people and gave them cancer when actually it was our behavior that caused it. So that's what I've got to be very careful because 
sometimes God is doing something actively, sometimes he's not doing something actively. Discerning the two can be very difficult. And so I think all that we're called to do, as always, is to live the gospel. Like the gospel hasn't changed depending on whether or not there's a, a, a pandemic or not, right? In fact, there might be new ways to express the gospel um, or new openings, I should say, but that hasn't changed. So we don't have a duty to go around telling people this is what it means. We have a duty to turn the other cheek. We have a duty to walk the extra mile. We have a duty to, to give to the poor. We have a duty to visit the sick. We have a duty to care for people. That's what the gospel calls. So I think that our response should just be more faithfulness um, nothing, nothing else. What do you think, Abuna? No, I totally agree with Abuna. Totally agree. Uh, God is not vindictive. He's not mean. He doesn't even the score, and he comes to punish because of uh, our bad behavior or anything like that. That's not the orthodox God that we worship. Uh, I, I absolutely agree with Abuna. Just a side note uh, to. Uh, uh, to remind you, you're watching uh, the Kafka Cafe live program with Abuna AP online uh, right now. Uh, control room, are they able to ask questions or write in the chat or? I think oh, they can it, now. It looks like it's working now. Okay, they can do it through the q &A. Yeah, it wasn't working at first. My bad, guys. Okay, very good. Uh, now, um, another question, Abuna also related um as of now there's a sense of encouragement for people to stop going <laughs> to church however the bishop of the diocese has not announced liturgical event uh, liturgical events but rather stated to only try to attend liturgy once a week how do how would you approach those who are discouraging others to stop attending liturgy I'm not sure if the question is asking, but you get the gist of the question. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about encouraging people not to come to church at least as often as they could? I mean, a lot of these questions are, are COVID um, related. And I think yes. maybe I'll just be generally like, you know, maybe just chill. Um, like, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not the end of the world. Um, and if it is, that's not a horrible thing either. Um, <laughs> but it doesn't, it doesn't appear to be. And I think that the best way to help is by being normal. Like if we all go into crazy mode, and we all go into panic mode and we're all like reading every single article that comes out and every case that comes out. Yeah, people are going to be scared to go to church. People are scared to go to the grocery store. People are scared to go to the gas station. Like we're, we're living in, 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 in fear. And I don't see how anybody's really benefiting from that. So rather than... Um, overdo it is our bishop our metropolitan has told us that we'll follow the law um and that we also need to realize that we're, we're okay right so um when you're in church we're not going to be trying to like we're not greeting each other with a coley kiss or hug right we're not um like skipping holding hands and sneezing all over each other if you feel like you need to be distanced more than the six feet or whatever the rule is right now, by all means, no problem. Um, but it's your spirit. That's how you'll help the people who are, 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 are worried. If you have a spirit of fear, everyone around you is going to be more, more fearful. 
if you've got the right attitude of saying, okay, I'm going for what I can, you seem to be okay. Um, I think that'll, that'll help calm people down. Like, I'm, I'm not trying to be sarcastic here, but it's just, it's funny to me that people can be in line at Costco, like, um, and, and <laughs> all over each other and not freaking out about that. Um, or at the gas station and, 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 and all these things. But as Amos as Herbert said, church is an essential service, okay? If you believe that there is spiritual need, which I hope you do, um, then, then church is where that service gets offered. We're trying to also take the service out to you. Um, but at the same time, the altar is a holy place. The, the sanctuary is a holy place that we're supposed to come to. So I would just say by, by doing the right thing, by having the right attitude, um, that will help people more than discussing it to death and getting into the theoretical possible scenarios of it. Um, and don't force people out of their comfort zone. If they're not able to, no problem. They don't need to be pressured. And maybe if they see others that are okay with it, they might be encouraged by it. Buna, it's interesting you mentioned that because the next question <laughs> is, it feels like it's the end of the world. <laughs> I don't think it is, maybe because it is not bad enough, but I do think God is trying to get our attention. Is he? And isn't he always? And why now? Thanks, Abuna. Miss you. Hope you are isolated. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you too. I have a feeling I can guess who that is. Um, <laughs> hi, Tina. Um, but, uh, <laughs> um, I don't know that he is. I think that God uses God. So, okay, just to address it in a general way, God doesn't do something that's actually evil. Okay, so if something is intrinsically evil, God doesn't do it. The problem is that sometimes we think something's evil that's not. That, like, that's why I'm making that distinguishment, right? That, or that distinction, I should say. Um, when God is actively doing something, it is always for the good, just as a, as a general rule. But what God also has said, because we do evil all the time when we cause evil for each other, is trust me, walk with me, I can turn your evil into good. I can bring something out of it. So it's not him doing it, right? So for example, Jacob and his mom were really wrong for what they did, right? The Bible wasn't putting an example of saying sometimes God needs help with his will. Therefore, Jacob should lie to his dad and pretend to be his brother and his mom should conspire. That's not a thing, right? And so because he messed up, he had to flee. He ran away from home because he was going to get actually killed by his brother, right? But did God say, well, you were a horrible person, you messed up, you lied to your dad, and therefore now I'm going to make your life stink? He didn't, right? In his time in flee, in, 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 in flight, um, he found his, the love of his life, right? He had um, 12 sons and a daughter, right? He got really, really rich. Um, and he found grace in the sight of his brother, right? And so God can, can work good from it. So is God trying to say something? I don't know. I won't speak for him. I'll say that again. Um, but we can definitely learn about God from everything. Um, and if we also live the gospel in every situation, including in a pandemic situation, we 
you give room for God also to speak and bring something good out of it. Um, so I'll stray from, from trying to say what God's doing. I don't know. I can't speak for him. I'll only say that if we do the gospel, we'll hear him clearly. Okay. Um, the next question, Ibuna, uh, actually there are several questions of uh, similar uh, uh, asking. So I'll give Utsak uh, the gist of the questions. Okay. Um, how do I respond to this um, question? I am asked if you believe in such a powerful God <clears throat> and um, uh, sorry, and you believe that Jesus can prevent all issues. How come churches took precautions against coronavirus such as not allowing given one another a holy kiss and asking seniors to stay home. Is the virus stronger than the holy liturgy? And another one says the, speaks about the sovereignty. Uh, I've been reading a lot of God and how he truly is the almighty. All must go through him and come from him. When good things happen, we say things like, oh, this must be from God. God is so good. But when bad things happen, we are carefully to say, God allowed, capitalizing the word allowed, mm -hmm. uh, this to happen. However, doesn't his sovereignty cover all things good and bad? His will is his will in all things. Are we all just too scared to say that bad can come from God as well? Or is bad truly just allowed and one undone through sin? And he makes it good because he is good. He is, he is good, yeah. Mm -hmm. So basically, if God is powerful, how come he doesn't stop these things? Right. Um, with respect to the first question, I would say that the, the person asking this question um, seems to have this thought that liturgy or spirituality is magical um, and that's not that's not what we believe right so if I believe it's magical then I think Abuna is waving his hands and saying magical incantations and we're all there so we're in the magic and so we're we've got this like force field around us and therefore if we greet one another with a holy kiss I'm not going to get sick etc um, and so when we're saying that we take precautions um, we're acknowledging our human condition because it's it's not it's not God coming in to override the laws of nature um, for a special club that He has, right? If if it was true that this magic happens only in church it, it, or in church, it wouldn't be only in church; it'd be everywhere. It would mean that a Christian could never get sick, or it mean that a Christian could never get bruised, or a Christian could never be harmed or injured. Because then the same question would apply of not just if God's so powerful, then why is a virus stronger than holy liturgy? I would say, is the virus stronger than God? Because all human beings are possible, are able to get viruses, even baptized ones. So the premise that's there is, is, a, is probably a misunderstanding of, of, what we, of what we believe. Okay. And so God doesn't cancel out our humanity. God doesn't cancel out the natural condition 
of the, of the earth, right? If, if he ever does that, that's an active act of grace. That's a him stepping in and changing something. That's why it's so important to understand how important your free will is. It's so important. Your decisions mean something. They have real consequences, not theoretical. God doesn't come up behind us with a broom and erase things that we say and do, right? They, like, they, they have real consequences, including disease, right? So when it comes to his sovereignty, um, yeah, God, God is sovereign. God is sovereign in that no one has authority or power over God. That's, that's, that's a core dogmatic belief that we have about God. Um, now, you ask the question of, so how come when there's good, we say God did it, and when it's bad, we say God allowed it? Is God just allowing it, or did God do it, or why is it only God is good when, when, when the good things happen? And that's a fair question because it sounds like a cop-out. But what's missing from that is recognizing the design. And so what I mean by that is if I design an amazing laptop and I tell you I designed it, this is how it functions, this is how it works. If you want to keep it working properly, this is how you maintain it right? So if I'm using this computer and it's so amazing and it's so fast and it's so awesome, I can say with full confidence, whoever made this computer is legit. He's so cool. He made this and it rocks and it's fast and it does this and this and this. But if I start using the computer wrong, or if I spill my drink on it, or if someone uses it the way it's not supposed to by creating a virus, right, and getting a virus on my computer, then I can say that God did permit that this computer can have that happen to it. But God's not the one who's ruining that computer. You are, or someone else's. That's why I'm saying free will matters. So when something goes wrong and we're not blaming God, that's fair. It's fair not because we're just trying to be God's lawyers. It's saying that he didn't design the bad. We did. He made it good. And so when things are going right, it's perfectly right and not a cop-out to say, yeah, he's really good because it's going as designed because the design itself was good. That's a really, really important differentiation to make. That's something that's, it's, it's like how health is good, right? So we don't spend a lot of time when people are healthy being like, oh, wow, what an amazing body. I'm healthy, right? But it, it, it is good, good as it is. Health is good. Disease is when something has gone wrong with health, which is good, right? That the health part was good. The disease isn't because the disease was breaking something good. So God's sovereignty is that he made it all and he made it with a perfect um, creation. There's nothing that he made that was evil. But when we choose to do something wrong, it has consequences on ourselves, as we said, and on others. And so we can't, we can't blame that on God, and it's not a copy, right? I earlier was differentiating, though, that some things we might call bad that aren't bad, right? That we feel as bad, and that that might be God. So does God give out bad things? Yes, but they're not intrinsically bad. 
So, for example, in the Old Testament, there's a place where God says himself, is there not an evil that I haven't done? God says that, right? And he's not saying, oh, list me some wrong thing and show me if I haven't done it. He's saying these things that you don't like, it is me, right? In the same way that a parent, but this has premise to it or preface to it, that I have a relationship with God, right? A parent, if they see that their kid is in grave danger, and says, you're not allowed to go there. I don't think that kid is thinking, oh wow, what a wonderful parent. They're not letting me do what I want. They're viewing it as the evil, horrible parent who said no, right? If right now, if the government is saying, you're not allowed to do these services, we don't like it. Whereas the government is viewing it as, I'm doing this for your own good. So there are some things that God does actively do. Um, to us that we might feel as negative but aren't but there's nothing intrinsically evil that God can do right God God can't do something that the act itself is purely evil it's, it's he's incapable of doing that thank you Buna. Um, sorry if that was anybody would like to <laughs> follow up or uh, to ask further uh, follow-up questions um, in the chat room or the Q&A uh, is working now. A question from the question answer um, section, Abuna. Um, it says, what is the intersection between our own free will and God's will or power? So on a basic level, you have control over yourself. God gives you that. The more advanced you become spiritually, um, which might be hard, and I don't mean this in a, in, a, in, a, in a negative way about anybody, but it might be hard to fathom at first. A higher level of spirituality is when you actually start giving up your will, right? The higher level of spirituality is saying, yeah, I, I do have the ability to make the choice, but I don't, I don't want to anymore. So the starting point really is to live the gospel. It's to break your will toward the gospel because the gospel is saying, this is how I designed you. Okay, so the relationship between my will and God's will on the most basic level is simply living the gospel. So it's not about the minutia of life, right? You don't need to necessarily to raise your eyes in prayer and say, Lord, do I drink the water or do I drink the lemonade right now? right? Am I going to have potatoes for dinner or am I going to have spinach, right? So on, on, a, on a basic level, no, he's, he's saying, I create everything, everything is good, do as you will. Like he said to Adam and Eve, till the earth, subdue it. He didn't say, all right, here's the ground rules, let's sit down and talk, you're going to praise me, you're going to worship me, you're going to bow down, you're going to say nice things to me, I'm going to give you presents, everything's going to be good. He didn't say any of that, right? When the apostles planned Euro trip number one, two, and three. They were prayerful about what they did, but they didn't actually have a script come from God on what countries to visit. But because they did it prayerfully, God did intervene and say, actually, please step out from your plans and go here and then come back, right? So on a basic premise, your will is your will. It should conform to the gospel. As you progress spiritually and you're making big decisions, you will soon hopefully be able to look at it and say, God, I just want to live according to the gospel. Because when you're living it, you find that you're actually able 
to interact with God directly and he speaks to you. It's not a monologue. It becomes a dialogue. And then you'll be able to say, God, not your will, not my will, but yours. Um, it's, it's a spiritual progress. When, uh, there is someone that followed up on that question and says, how do you know, how do you discern between bad things done by God and other bad things that happen? And I just want to interject here and uh, say, Buna, uh, the, the church fathers teach that uh, there is no such thing as darkness. Uh, darkness doesn't exist. It's simply the absence of the light. So when, because if you open a room of, of full of darkness and you just open the door and there's light outside, immediately there's light inside the room. So they define evil or bad things to be the absence of the presence of God. And that's because God is not going to participate in sin or in evil. So we have to accept that sometimes evil comes externally. So we are blameless. It's not our fault. We're not, uh, we don't have any part to do with it. Um, I remember, for example, the country in 2001 when we had the attack, the 9-11, it was not the fault of any of the people in the towers that suffered the loss of their lives and it was evil that was attacking the towers. Uh, so sometimes, to respect our free will, um, God allows, and here's the word allow again, the, for evil to happen, but he's going to reward those who suffer. So it's not, it's not just that evil happens and, oh, well, end of, uh, end of story. There is a second coming. There's a, the, the eternal life that rewards those who live their life accordingly and they suffered injustice and evil any murder by definition was was dealt injustice to kill someone who's so devoted to god and loves god and then god allows them to become martyred uh, but see the ultimate thing is not to live on this earth Utsak, he said it at the beginning of the program and he said if it's a second coming it's not such a bad thing because our ultimate is not to live here on earth. Our ultimate is to be in heaven with our Lord. What do you think, Abuna? I agree, Abby. <laughs> so the question about um, address the calling, the, the things that happen, how do you discern whether they are, I guess, external or by permission of God? It almost doesn't matter. Um, but on one level, when God is speaking, he's not quiet. So like, don't worry. If God is doing something, he'll speak. There's no, there's no biblical precedent. When we want to get to know the nature of God, if we want to know what's God's character, we go to the Bible, we go to the saints, we look at the lives of those who live before us um, to know how did God interact with them. There was never a time that I can think of in the Gospels or in the Old Testament or anywhere where when God was making a point, he was subtle. Um, and when people didn't get the point, he sent his prophets to tell them, right? So what I would say is, number one is to live the gospel, and it's not just a general piece of advice to say, don't worry about it, live the gospel. What I'm trying to say is that living the gospel is what gives you perfect vision. If you live the gospel, your clear cup, okay, if, you, if your life is a clear cup with water in it, you can look through it, you can see clearly. When you don't live the gospel, you introduce disease, right? That's what sin is, right? 
So as you start filling this, this cup with food coloring, with dirt, with murkiness, that's when you can't see clearly anymore. That's when you, you, where you get that confusion of, is God talking to me or is God not talking to me? What do I do? But when I live that, that gospel, I can see it. Because number one for finding out, is God saying something or is it me? Is look at your life first. Because is this bad thing that's happened a consequence of a choice you made? Um, and it's not a blame game, right? Like it's, if I didn't study, I can't, I'm, I'm going to just use hyperbole here. I can't be like, oh, God didn't have me pass because um, he wanted me to learn this virtue. It's like, well, you, you could definitely learn that virtue, but you prob probably should have studied too, right? Or if, um, sorry, somebody was drinking and driving and ran over my friend. Well, that person was wrong who was drinking and driving. Right, so I can't say that God murdered my friend because that would be to suggest that God told some guy to go get drunk and go drive. God is never gonna tell somebody to go drunk and drive because that's intrinsically wrong, right? So the, if you're really trying hard to figure out the two, start at the actions involved and look at was the, were these processes, processes of free will or not, right? Second is, again, when God wants to say something, he'll say it, right? Be prayerful. Ask him. Lord, are you telling me something? I'm not sure. If you are, confirm it. Tell me it because I'm not sure. I'm meditating on the situation and I feel like I'm learning this. Are you speaking to me? Right? Turn it into an actual prayer because our relationship with God is real. If you deal with God as an it or as a what, you're not going to have a relationship. When you start dealing with God as a who, now you can have a relationship. Now you can actually start having an interaction and, 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 and hearing. So the reason I'm saying it almost doesn't matter is to say a person who's looking for the truth in everything will find a lesson in everything. Whether they were at fault or not at fault, they'll find something in it that they can profit from, right? Where it'll be like, you know what? Maybe even though this person made this comment to me, even though maybe I, I didn't do the thing they're accusing me of, maybe I've got to be careful with how I portray myself to others. Maybe I've done this before and got away with it. It's good for me to receive affliction here, right? Maybe it was good for this person that I be their punching bag because they're having a rough day. And so I was able to serve, this was me being able to live the gospel for this person, right? Like it's, if you can spiritualize things, you won't need to differentiate it. But don't worry, if God has something to say, he'll, he'll say it. What do you think, Abuna, as well? Yeah, no, completely right. I'm going to agree with you. It's a hundred percent. I just want to pause and um, uh, welcome everybody back to the relaunch of the Coptic Cafe Live. Uh, you're listening to uh, um, Abuna Anthony Paul. Uh, he's gracious enough, enough to um, join us for the first uh, uh, episode. Uh, some are asking how you can uh, access this. All of this will be uploaded to the anaphoraradio.com uh, uh, app and uh, you'll be able to access all of the episodes. We're shooting to come on every Friday night at 7 p.m. live and uh, hoping to have you all join us, uh, God willing. We've been going for about uh, over 30 minutes. We have just a little bit 
under 30 minutes to keep it under an hour. And uh, we apologize if we're not gonna be able to get to all of the questions, but uh, certainly we will uh, compile all these questions and either make an episode separate for uh, grouping them or just continue to ask, answer like that. Abuna, uh, there's a question about calling. How do you know um, uh, the calling from God? Um, I apologize, I don't have the actual wording, but it was in a Google Doc. And uh, the person asking um, asked again in the Q&A, but I apologize, I don't have the wording of the question. But it's about how do you know uh, if there's a calling from God to serve or dedicate yourself for the service? Yeah. So there's two schools of thought on this. I can only speak from the school that I came from, um, but I'll acknowledge that there are two. There's a, there's a belief that there's a choice and there's a belief that it's a calling. I, I'm of the calling school. Um, and so that's not to undermine those who are not. I can, just, I can only teach from what I've received. Um, the calling is not just a feeling in your heart, right? So the calling is not just, um, I love God so much because every, every human being should love God so much. Um, and every human being is actually called to serve the Lord. No one's not called to serve the Lord. Um, but for a calling to consecrate one's life, um, that's, that's a specific calling. Okay. Um, and so I think a more humble approach is to say to God, I want to be yours in whatever way you want me to be yours. Because God really does love every single one of us. So God's not going to want us to live a life that doesn't match who we are as people. Right? So part of it is, is actually being really honest with yourself. Yeah, right? Okay. If, if you're... Excuse me, but I found the, the, the question and uh, mm. it does ask about uh, how, how do you know, how much of it is my own choice will versus so you're on the, along the same line. So you, you can answer that. Okay, uh, um, what is a calling? How much of my calling is my own choice will when St. Paul says walk worthy of the calling with which you were called? Mm -hmm. I don't know how to interpret this. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no problem. So number one is to be honest to the gospel, right? Like that's why like we're Christians. If we're not living the gospel, we're in big trouble because that, that's the mark of a Christian. They will know that we are his by our love. And then he explains to us how to love. When he says, how do, how do we love? He says, keep my commandments. And they say, what is the commandment? He says, to love one another and your neighbor as yourself. And then he gives a sermon on the mount and says how to do that. So number one, I have to live that because I can't be fake, right? Otherwise, I'm just being romantic, right? Otherwise, I'm just that guy who's like telling the girl, you know what? I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to be so rich. We're going to travel wherever you want. All your dreams are going to come true. And it's like, that's cute, Habibi, but not likely um, if you're struggling to get through midterms. So how about you be faithful, right? Start off by being faithful. Then and always put it in prayer again of saying, God, do what do you want for me? Because if you, everyone has a calling. Okay. In the sense that God has use for everyone, right? Our first and foremost calling is Christianity. And that's what St. Paul is talking about. 
when he says, walk worthy of the vocation where you're called, they're saying, you've received, you've entered a new covenant. You're entering into this sacrificial thing that our Lord has done to fix our relationship. And you weren't able to fix it. You didn't make yourselves. God made you because he loves you. And so he's saying, show him that, he, that you're faithful to him choosing you. That's why he says that to be worthy of the vocation church you're called. He's saying, you didn't call yourself. You didn't bring yourself into existence. You didn't start the relationship with God. He started it with you. Show him you appreciate that. Right? Show him you love him back. Right? And so otherwise, it's like my dad working day and night for the clothes on my back and me kind of spitting in his face and telling him it's not good enough. I'm not showing the worthiness of this grace that I received from my dad, right? So it starts off with that. But then you've got to be honest with yourself. Somebody, for example, who can't control his desire or her desire for someone of the opposite sex, is celibacy a really good idea for you? Probably not. But what's more important is that sexuality is the natural design, right? That's, that's how we're designed. So to me, if you are thinking about not expressing sexuality the way that God designed, you're living in a way that's against nature. And if you're going to live in a way that's against nature, you're living supernaturally. So I wouldn't want anyone to do that without being called supernaturally. <laughs> to do something that's not normal, right? Especially in a world where, let's be real, it's hypersexualized, right? So it's about being honest with your gifts, right? I'll, I'll get a little bit vulnerable here. I had no desire to serve, right? Some of you who know me in the diocese, I went to the monastery to be a monk, not to serve in LA diocese. <laughs> and and God didn't want that for me. That's what I think it's, it's, it's important for us to ask God, what do you want? Of him saying, no, I, I, I want you to be celibate, but I don't want you in a cell right now. I would like you doing this right now, right? And if you can look at God and say, okay, whatever you want is good. Thank you for allowing me to participate in you. You'll be at peace, right? But if you, again, if you're not living the gospel, you won't, you won't hear him. And if you're trying to be something because of an image that you have of it, that's not honest, right? If it's, I want to have that uniform, or I want, um, I want to be the guy who does that, or I want to be the person who stands here. Those are all nor normal, just so you know. Those aren't weird, like, temptations. But that's not the essence of those things. So honesty and looking for God. And when God has a particular calling for you, then he'll say it. If he doesn't have a particular calling, then our calling first and foremost and always is to be a good Christian, is to live according to the gospel and to live according to his design, which means to go about it the normal way. It would be to get married, to have a family, um, to fulfill his will in, in, the, in everything. Because whoever is faithful with little will make faithful with much. That's why, thankfully, we have incredible people of every type of calling. We have incredible married people who are saints. We have incredible celibate people who are saints. We have incredible youth who are saints. We have incredible children who are saints, right? There's 
saints that came from every single walk of life by simply being perfect in the calling to which they were called, right? So start with the gospel that God says thing. I'm sorry it took so long to answer that. No, Buna, you're the most qualified and perfect person to answer that question. Abuna, there's another question from uh, Maryam Hanna. Uh, she didn't indicate which church she's from. Uh, Abuna, we miss you a lot. Can you explain the difference between denial and blind faith? Um, I miss you too, Maryam. Um, <laughs> say hi to the whole crew. Um, I'm assuming what you mean here um, is someone just being in denial versus somebody having blind faith. And I don't know that we should be either of those, depending on what you mean by blind faith, right? In the, in the sense that God made us rational beings. So he's not calling us to turn off our minds. So we're not, for example, going to say, this guy challenged me to tightrope walk against uh, across Niagara Falls if my God is real. And I'm just like, yeah, you know what? I have blind faith that God's going to do that. that that's, not, that's not wisdom, right? That's why Christ himself said, be um, wise as serpents, gentle as doves. Um, and one of the fathers meditated on that. Um, one of the, the modern fathers who passed away, and he was like, the, the serpent worries about his head. It's the most vulnerable part of his body. Right, and so he forms his actions around preservation of his head, right? So, whereas the gentleness is saying, okay, I trust God, I trust the gospel, I'm gonna live according to that um, because that is how I was designed. If you realize that the gospel isn't a choice, it's, it's actually your identity, then you're not gonna struggle with this identity idea of choosing because it's already who you are right and so you become cognizant that you could get hurt but you say i'm still going to do what's right because it's right i don't know if that answered it the way you wanted because i'm not sure that i interpreted the question right so my bad mariam if i didn't if not i'll be home in a month and i'll, I'll <laughs> we can talk about it <laughs> okay we're gonna switch things up a bit again you're uh... Joining us on uh, Coptic Cafe Live uh, relaunch, and we have Abuna Anthony Paul. Uh, we uh, are usually going to try to keep it for an hour, and maybe if Otsak has the time, we can hang out a little bit after the program to continue answering questions. Um, that was good. That will officially end the, the show um, in about um, 15 minutes or something like that. Uh, so we have a question now from uh, Anonymous. Uh, hi, Abuna. I recently read a book about Father Proforius. In his life, he shows such simplicity in prayer. I'm struggling to find the simplicity he has in everything he does. He was an example of being able to pray continuously mm. and for everything. Do you have any advice on helping to implement that in my spiritual life? Yeah, um, maybe. Um, it's, it's more of a, of a reaction to what you're saying. 
the more you get to know God, the more you'll realize how simple he is. Um, there's a line in St. Cyril's liturgy, since it's Lent and we're, we're, we're usually praying St. Cyril, where it says God who is, some translations have it as single and some have it as simple in his nature because they're, it's a hard thing to translate. The Arabic says basit, it says simple. Um, and the meaning there is not just as in like, oh, he's just so simple. It's in, it's in saying that he's not complicated. He's not heter heterogeneous. He's not many molecules put together. He is just what he is. Why is that relevant to you becoming simple? Is that for God, goodness is an identity, right? And that's actually what it is supposed to be for me and you. And so if all I look for to do in all circumstances is just that, I won't think too much about things. I'm not gonna sit there calculating the outcomes. I'm not gonna sit there thinking about what somebody thinks or doesn't think, what this guy is gonna do or what that might result in. And if I say it like this, then the company is gonna say this. And, then I'm, and I'm not saying don't be wise, I'm just saying the more you're always just doing the right thing, the less you're gonna think about things. And the more comfortable you are with God himself, when you come to pray, you might start to find that it's weird to ask for things. Right, because you're going to start being like, what do I know? I'm asking for this, but maybe it's not even good for me. I'm asking for this, maybe it's not even good for them. What do I know? And so even your prayers will start to become, Lord, you know all things. You see their suffering, help, Lord. Do, do, your, do you and show me what you want me to do in your name. Right, but you'll find that even you don't have as much to to say about things. And so the simplicity comes by not thinking too much about things. So a good practical place to start is a thought inventory. Whenever you have a chance to notice your thinking, stop and notice it. What am I thinking about? Am I planning stuff? Am I strategizing stuff? Am I trying to solve something? Where are my thoughts? Am I thinking about me? Am I thinking about others? Am I thinking about problems? Am I thinking about good things? Right? That's why St. Paul says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things that bring joy, all of these things, think about those things. Right? That's why both Pope Shrewd and Pope Cordless, we celebrated both of them in the last week have famous quotes about not thinking too much, right? Pope Shunuda said, put, your, put God between you and your problem, right? He was famous for saying that. Pope Kurdus has the famous saying of Kun Mutma'inan, be very, very assured and do not worry about anything and give it to God and actually do that, right? You'll find that life is so much more simple. Honestly, it might sound theoretical, it's not. Today, I'm not gonna lie to you, and I'm not a very virtuous person. If someone comes to just talk about, I'm sure one of the same, how bad the world is or how bad this guy is or however it is, it's not interesting anymore. I won't pretend, at one point it was. At one point, I was quick to jump, I'm like, no way, he said that? Wow, I can't believe it. He, really? Did you tell this guy? What about this? Now it's just kind of like, oh, okay. Um, and so I'll, I'll give you a life lesson. I've told this to some of you guys before. There's a priest in the LA diocese who really humbled me. 
Um, and it really, really affected me. It really, really changed me. Um, because negativity is one of the biggest bars to your simplicity. Um, I was one of those people that if anybody brought somebody up, I'd have something negative to say. Even if there was a good thing, I'd have to like make a point of pointing out the bad. So one time I was sitting with this, with this Abuna, um, and he brought up a priest. And I was like, oh, but isn't that the guy who said this? And Abuna looked at me with a look of actual confusion. He wasn't, it wasn't fake confusion. It was real confusion of like, how is that relevant? Um, and so he just kind of looked at me and was like, mm, sure, maybe, yeah, but I'm not bringing up him for that. I'm actually bringing him up because his pastoral care, wow, he taught me blah, 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 blah. And I felt like a shoe. Um, and I was just like, wow. And then it made me start to notice that I do it, which made me like, okay, I'm not going to do it this time, right? And then it made me want to speak about the good the way that he speaks about the good, right? That it made me start to become sensitive to gossip, sensitive to unnecessary speech, sensitive to putting people down, right? Where it's by seeing that. So work on virtue, work on the good, um, pay attention to your thoughts. If you start off by thinking only of good things, thinking about others, thinking about servants, serving others, thinking about helping the people in your immediate surroundings, whether it's your co-students, your co-worker, your boss, your mother, your father, if you start off with saying, how can I just do good for everyone around me, you'll become more simple because you won't be attending to yourself or your thoughts. You'll be attending to everybody in the name of God. Okay. Um... We're coming up on uh, on the end here. Abuna, please feel free um, if there's a specific message you want to leave us with or uh, if you want to get that ready. Um, we might have time for one or two more um, uh, questions. Um, uh, we have a question from um, uh, Anthony Tawadros, uh, Tony. He's saying... Um, uh, can mental or psychological illness, possibly those who don't, um, if they don't know if they have it, is it possible of a pseudo spirituality can develop or what are your thoughts on pseudo spirituality? So I don't know if pseudo spirituality um, refers to a particular kind of pseudo spirituality. So forgive me if I don't answer properly. I'm taking pseudo to just mean fake. Um, and yes, definitely, definitely. And it, it even, um, it, it even happens a lot, um, where a person either is mentally ill or they're, sw or they're taken by their ego. Um, and so they might appear outwardly to be extremely, um, religious and it, it's not, um, it's not a real spirituality it is possible um and that's why the necessity of spiritual direction is a necessity and, and, and to me not really optional theoretically it's optional I, I just don't think it should be right is that it's helpful to have that outer mirror that helps 
bring you in line with something that's true because somebody can also start off wrong and be correct and go right and actually come out really really good and really really strong um so even if a person starts out with a pseudo spirituality it's not um not fixable um but yes it's possible to on, on the as a bare minimum okay um maybe you can Otsaka, share with us uh, someone is writing, can you share something about uh, His Holiness Pope Shenouda III and Abu Nafaltaos since today is their feast day? Um, I think one of the, my favorite things about Pope Shenouda was his laugh. Um, in that I think a lot of us have this um, this this theory that if you become more spiritual you become more miserable um and that you're not allowed to smile you're not allowed to to joke um i was at one of his sermons live once and <laughs> and there was a lady who put a question to him. it was the wednesday night meeting and she said that she's addicted to eating um so she was like i eat everything i eat non-stop she was like I eat when I'm cooking, I eat when I'm not cooking, I eat when I'm cleaning, I eat when I'm doing anything, I eat when I'm going for a walk. He's like, she was like, I, I just constantly eat. And Pope Shenouda had this serious face on, and then he said, I will never forget it, because everyone was laughing, he goes, I'm a little concerned about the person you're sitting next to, in case you, in case you eat her. Um, and then, and then he, he took it seriously, and he answered her, and he didn't belittle the question. But it was, it was refreshing, um, it was very, very refreshing to see that you're allowed to be yourself, right? That spirituality is not a, can a cancellation um, of your personality. Um, I think one of the beautiful things about him um, was if you work hard, um, God notices. It's not that God rewards you. That you, It's not reward in the sense of you earned it, you did these, these task lists and God makes you get bonus points but for those of you who have read his story or seen his the, the movie of his life which if you haven't you really should it's extremely well done um Abunefertuos exhausted himself in the name of god right and for it actually he wasn't always treated well he was sometimes thought of to be a fool he was a fool for christ but he completely killed his will in every single in every single way and so God became even more present, right? That those who suffer in his name for the sake of righteousness, God, God is with them. And I think that Abu Nefertos is one of the best models of that in our time. And they have beautiful um, uh, movies that they created for both of them that um, are very, very uh, detailed and, uh, and teach you more about their life. In their attitude. I'm going to move along. There's a question here that uh, I think would be relevant to many. Uh, what is the most effective way to break a bad habit? Number one is make a decision. You can't be, be like half and half, right? You can't just have the general intention of it. You have to make a decision, and that's actually very hard. Right, you have to be really, really honest with yourself. Have I decided to stop or do I just have a good will towards it? 
right? It's like someone who talks about quitting smoking is very different from somebody who's come to you and said, I've decided my quit date. There are two different frames of mind, okay? So figure out what frame of mind you're in. Are you just thinking about it or are you serious about it? If you're serious about it, number one, I'd always advise go talk with your spiritual guide because, not so that they can just over-regulate you, but because actually the guide might know some of the dangers you're going to encounter and some of the things that you're going to see. It's like, I, I'm speaking as a, as a former pharmacist here. With smoking, right, it was like we went through training to be like, you might not know your first one in the morning, that's going to be your hardest one. This hand-to-mouth ritual, that one's going to really get you. Have some celery and baby carrots ready for before you quit. The, 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 the person who knows the guide is able to kind of help you with what might come at you that might threaten your resolve right so that before you've even made that crossover you've got a companion you've got someone that you're accountable to you've got a plan you've got support you've got strategy you've got all of that with it um second is to actually um implement it right to give yourself a rule right with the guidance of your spiritual father sometimes that's a schedule right so for example when somebody's like oh man i want to I want to start, I'll give you an example, cussing. Let's say you want to stop cussing, right? If you want to stop cussing, okay, you make that decision. Two, stick to it. So I, I'll use a word. I used to use the word retarded, okay? And I thought it wasn't a big deal. I thought it wasn't anything. And then somebody whose sibling actually um, is retarded was so offended um, when I said it that I was just like, wow, I didn't think about it that way. I want to stop, but I'm used to saying it at like everything, right? So after making the decision, once I would do it, I would actually out loud where I was, no matter who I was, was I didn't care if they were Christian, non-Christian, what they thought of me, I'd be like, wait, I said that word. I decided I'm not saying that word anymore. Um, guys, whenever I say that word, call me out. And I would immediately replace the word, right? So now I had a, a support and I made myself accountable right? Regardless of whether people are using the word or not, right? So that now every time I did it, I was uncomfortable, right? And so it, it, it comes out. So uh, like uh, a particular habit has a particular guidance, but I say make the decision, get the guidance, have some form of formal commitment, not a theoretical commitment, something that's tangible and have people around you to support you, not only a, a spiritual guide, but even friends to say, I have decided to not do this. I need your help. Um, even if it's uncomfortable. Okay, Buna, thank you very much. There's um, a question that I promised we would answer on the air, um, and it has to do with, um, it's anonymous. Uh, how can I, this will probably be our last question, and then uh, if we uh, want to continue after the show, um, people are most welcome to stay on. Uh, how can I continue to grow my spiritual life if I'm not able to uh, attend church meetings and liturgies? That's a good question. And I know, um, I know my, my home church is, is completely closed right now too, and that's difficult. Um, one is to still come together as community, Right? This is one of the times to find out that church is not, is not just the building. The building matters. I'm not, I'm not taking away from that. But that church isn't, isn't only the building. 
And this is maybe where you find out whether or not your friendships and relationships, even with people in church, are actually spiritual or not. Because if they are, it shouldn't be uncomfortable to tell your friends, guys, since we don't have youth group, what do you guys think of doing like a live hangout session and reading something together? Why don't we have an online book club? Um, why don't we do this spiritual activity together? So there's still a group aspect that can happen, right? There was a servants meeting an hour ago that I was on the, on the line with and, and the servants were amazing. They're strategizing about what can we do to bring church to you? So your servants have a responsibility to you and you to the kids you serve if you're a servant that's on here. But I would also say you have a personal thing that you should already be doing right, that whether there's a coronavirus that's prohibiting us from getting together or not, of do you actually read the Bible at home? Do you actually pray regularly or were you only praying on Sunday at liturgy? Um, or were you only having any spiritual content only at youth meeting? Because no problem, but now you know maybe, maybe there's more to it than that. Maybe you should be reading more um, at home. And, and in fact, I would suggest that you should be. Um, because if a person is consistent with their spiritual life, the only thing that should have changed between before and after Corona would have been more of location on the one hand and be um, specifically Eucharist. There's no denying that, right? That, that part's there. So this might be a good time to message your spiritual father and say, what's my rule for Corona and Lent put together, right? What's going to be my program? It might be good to message the servants and say, what are we going to do? to keep us together in this time. I am ready to participate, right? I'm ready to encourage. I'm not gonna be the one who's like, who's going, how many, that's not cool. No, be, be, a, be a participant. Um, it's Lent, have a spiritual book going, right? Choose something, call up a bunch of friends, like we're gonna, we're gonna attack this book together, right? If you're looking for suggestions, go for it. There's audio books online of a whole bunch of things that it can be, you guys putting something together. I was suggesting to the servants um, because I was in a situation where I didn't have liturgy for a period because of where I lived. And on Sunday morning, I would play the liturgy. I would pause it to do the doxologies of the saints of the day and the readings of the day because there was no live streaming at the time. Um, where it's like, do that. And what you'll find is God is very romantic. God is so romantic. When you are going out of your way to spend time with him because you're in a, in a fix where it's hard to do it, he gives you way more grace, right? There was a period where I had to pray in the bathroom because I was living in an apartment where it was just awkward to like the, the setup and I felt weird about being able to pray with who I was with. Honestly, those bathroom prayers were some of the best in my life. And my point there is not to say go to the bathroom and pray. My point is to say, God came to meet me there because he saw that. I was saying, God, I just want to make sure I talk to you. So if you have that spirit with, with God during this time, get on it. Have your rule. Message Father Confession. Message your servants. Message your friends. You'll find that you might even feel closer to God than you have in a while. Can you Thank add you very much, Iguna. Thank you, everyone, uh, for uh, participating. We have come to the end of the relaunch the first show um the relaunch of the coptic cafe live program uh we hope to come on every friday night at 7 p.m to fill 
that youth meeting hour that was so crucial to the churches until we are able to um, get back into the church and resume our uh, activities and services. Uh, at that point, we might just move to a different night uh, to allow you the opportunity to attend your own youth meeting and then continue to have uh, these discussions. Uh, I believe they're very, very important. Thank you, Abuna. I benefited from your OTSEX uh, answers and uh, we all would benefit from coming together, uh, especially at a time when uh, a lot of us are supposed to stay home and not go anywhere. Um, they just announced in LA County and Orange County in California to be uh, kind of like, uh, not lockdown, but it's kind of like lockdown. We're not supposed to have any gatherings, uh, more than 10 people and uh, only family, but uh, public and private gathering are banned until March 31st of 2020. Um, thank God we believe that the church is uh, one of the essential uh, entities. Uh, it's certainly uh, far better to work on uh, um, the good of the soul than the good of the body. And if we have to choose, of course, we choose the soul. So we will be praying, hoping that people can keep the social distance, distancing that's uh, required now six feet. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, we'll uh, have the opportunity to pray and uh, offer the sacrifice and take communion and pray for those who are unable to, to come and join us. But anyways, uh, this has been the Coptic Cafe Live program uh, relaunch. Uh, we look forward to seeing uh, uh, most of you and uh, all of you, but uh, see most of you in person soon. Uh, you're going to receive a survey uh, to give us feedback, uh, program and the format. And also you're welcome to uh, write your comments, your questions, your, um, uh, if you wish to come and appear on the program and discuss a topic with us, send all those comments to CopticCafe at anaphoraradio.com. So thank you all for joining us. Thank you, Abuna. Abuna is going to hang out for a few minutes to answer more questions. Uh, but if Thanks, you need Abuna. to leave, uh, we uh, uh, ask you to depart in peace and we'll keep this going for a little bit. Thank you, Abuna, for joining us. It was a great pleasure.